Okay, how's everyone doing? I think that we are ready to live stream here on the internet. Ryan, are we streaming? We are streaming. So my name is Thomas McKenty. Most of you here in the audience know me. And out in internet land, I just want to say hello. We are going to start uh, with our session navigating 1940 U.S. Census. This is what a lot of us are excited about. Not only is Monday Super Bowl for genealogists, I have told, when I was interviewed by the Associated Press, I told the, uh, the writer, I said, it is like the next Harry Potter book for genealogists. Because we know what's coming down the pike. We've done the census before. We do them every 10 years, but we're waiting for the next volume. So this is what it's all about. So I'm going to walk through, and uh, I'm going to skip all the housekeeping. This is what we're going to cover in the next hour. The 1940 census, what information will you find there? Also, I want to make it very clear on Monday, it will be images only. If you think you're going to go in and search on the Jones surname or Smith surname, you are going to be very disappointed. There is no way to search by name right yet when they're released on Monday. That's part of the reason why you need this information. You want to know how to locate those 1940 U.S. Census images for your family, for your family members, your ancestors. We're going to concentrate on the one-step tools for 1940 U.S. Census developed by Steve Morse at stevemorse.org. Talk about some of the other 1940 U.S. Census resources. Great. Let's get started. Now, I'm not going to put anyone on the spot, but I'm sure there might be a few of you in here that are on the 1940 Census. I know that I'm not. I think my first census is the 1970 census, so I have until the year 2042 until my census is available. And, uh, but there is a 72-year holding period for the census information. It would normally be released tomorrow, April 1st, but being a Sunday, National Archives is not open. So thus, it will be released at 9 a.m. Eastern, Monday, April 2nd, 2012, and this is the link. It's in your, in your handout, but it's 1940census.archives.gov. This is what the site looks like right now. It is a placeholder for the National Archives. There's a neat little movie there, but this is basically the information, and this is where you will go to find your images come Monday morning, along with how many thousands of other genealogists. Great. This is what the enumerator form looks like. Sorry. This is what the enumerator form looks like for the 1940 census. You can find a copy. There is a link in your handout as well. Uh, but the 1940 census form looks just like this. Uh, they are asking, this is one area that I'll cover in a minute, the different types of information. Now, this is the link for the PDF. It is very similar to the 1930 U.S. census. On a base level, they ask some of the same questions. I'm not going to click this link because it is a PDF. It will take a while to download from, uh, from wireless. But they ask things like your name, your marital status, your age, information like that. There are some new questions on the 1940 U.S. Census. This one I love, name of informant. Who gave the information? Now, why is this important? You know, in the previous census, I always assume, but it's not a good assumption, I always used to assume that it was the head of the household that gave the information. 
you had an immigrant household like my German ancestors, it probably was the kid that spoke English the best who provided the information. Don't always assume it's the head of household. But now you actually get the name of the person providing the information for that family. The highest school grade completed. In the past, we saw questions like what? Can read or write? Yeah. Now we actually know what grade, school grade they completed. And this is important. And you want to know why they're asking this question? Think about the decade that went right before the 1940 census, the Great Depression. A lot of kids had to leave school to work to help support their family. They want to know what was the economic impact of the Great Depression on education. That also leads to our next question, place of residence in 1935. This one I love. It's like two censuses in one, right? Because also a lot of states used to do censuses on the fives or on the twos. I knew New York did one in 1892. They did a lot in the, on the five years. But by the 30s, a lot of states stopped doing their own censuses because they couldn't afford it. This is golden to know where your ancestors were. You will know down to the city and county level, you will not get a street address, but you will know where your ancestor was in 1935. I mean, to me, this is worth the census alone because I may not have that information for that person or that family. So they were asked, where did you live? The reason, again, we saw a lot of migration of families in the 1930s, the Dust Bowl, and people migrated, went out, the Okies went out to California to look for work you're going to be able to see that information on the 1940 census. Talk a little bit about sampling. This is an archive photo from the Census Bureau. This is a female enumerator enumerating a family that lived in a boxcar. Okay. Now, what is sampling? This actual figure I want to correct up here is wrong, so don't follow that 80% and I'll explain it in a minute. This is what sampling is. Sampling is where you take a certain part of the population and you ask them a special set of questions. There were questions 36 through 50 were asked of only two people on every page. So on some pages, it was line 14 and 29. You know how the sheets are labeled 51A, 51B? If your family's on the A sheet, if they were on line 14 and 29, it's most likely, not 100%, that they were asked the sampling question. If they were on the back side, I believe it's, what, 41 plus 14 is 55. And so it was 55 and 60 or something like that. There was a different set on the B side. Also, it's not always this line number. This is what the Census Bureau was worried about. They were worried about something called line bias. If you were an enumerator and you knew that the magic number was 14 and 29, Technically, you could rig it so that you only ask certain people those questions that they wound up on that number. Census Bureau was smart, so they had certain set of pages that the enumerator, when they got the packet, oh, my sampling lines are lines 16 and 25. So it wasn't always 14 and 29. Let's hope that you hit that Mega Millions lotto in terms of a census by having your family ask those sampling questions. Wouldn't that be nice to have all that information? Now you're going to ask me, well, what were they asked? These are the questions that the, the sampling people were asked. The birthplace of your father and your mother. Where were they born? What is the earliest language you spoke in childhood? 
So basically, if you were maybe taught French or German or Italian, and you were in the sampling population, you would put that down. What is your veteran status? Are you a veteran? What wars did you fight in? Now, what happens if you were age under 14 or under? If you were a child, they ask the question of your father. Was your father a veteran? What wars did he serve in? Social Security. Do you realize the first Social Security check was paid on January 31st, 1940? Social Security was part of the New Deal, was a new social program, and the Census Bureau wanted to ask, these are the questions they asked, do you have a Social Security card? Have you had Social Security deductions taken from your wages? They wanted to know how effective the Social Security program was. Other questions. What is your normal or customary occupation and industry? Notice the words I used. Normal or customary. Why would they ask that? Many people after the Great Depression had to work in fields that they weren't trained in, right? It's a matter of survival. You may have been trained as a teacher, but you were picking fruit in an orchard. So they wanted to know what, you, what your skill set was, what you consider your normal occupation. Married women were asked a different set of questions. How many previous marriages have you had? What was your age at your first marriage? And how many children did you have that are born alive? So no stillbirths. I want to point out this is very different. If you remember, there's one of the censuses asked, how many children have you had and how many children are still living? This is a different question. They're not asking how many are still living. They wanted to know. They were concerned about a declining birth rate. And they wanted to know what the birth rate was. And this is one way of getting that information roughly through sampling. Rejected questions. I love these. Do you own a Bible? Are you over six feet tall? What is your hair color? Do you own a burial plot? You know the genealogists would already have that one answered, right? And how many dogs do you own? You have to understand a lot of these questions were not coming from the Census Bureau. A lot of industries, like the housing industry, construction industry, they wanted, I mean, heck, if I could get the U.S. government to do my marketing and sampling for me for free, why not? That was the intent. Over the years, every census of sampling has gotten bigger and bigger, and I don't think there's as much industry influence. But remember, this is the first year, the first census, where you're seeing sampling happening. Now, another bit of information on the 1940 census are occupation and miscellaneous codes. Remember, the enumerator has this sheet that's only so big. How are you going to fit a lot of information in a small space? You're going to use codes. Let's go out and take a look at the occupation codes. So this is the area in questions 28, 29, and 30 where you were asked basically your occupation, your industry, and the enumerators used a code here. I don't think it was the enumerators who did it. It was probably back at the Census Bureau office. But this is what happens. So I don't know what the codes are. But let's say on Monday you find a code over here in column F, right? that someone has put some funny numbers and letters, guess what you're going to do? You're going to come to this link, which is in your handouts, and you're going to say, okay, the code is 1, 2, 3, or 1, 2, 4. So it means that you know, it was a credit person, or let's do here. 
uh, a floorman and a manager, well, it doesn't make sense. It's agriculture, so it was probably something else. You know? So you would put in all the codes that you see there, and then you would get information from a categorization as to what that person's occupation was. All right? There are other codes as well. There's a miscellaneous code, and these were used for things like relationship to head of household. So if the number is going to be four, it was a grandchild. Okay? Highest uh, year, if it was seven, the highest grade was seventh grade. They had codes for birthplace. So these codes right now are not going to do you any good until Monday once you get an image. Once you get an image for your ancestor or your family, come back to the site, find the code, and plug it in here, and you'll get that information. Okay, I can't say this often enough. I get emails every day. How am I going to search for my family on the 1940 U.S. Census? The truth is you're not. There is no index. And I'll tell you why there is no index. Realize that these images are not going to be made public to anyone, ancestry, family search, anyone, until 9 a.m. Monday, April 2nd. So how can you build an index if you have no access to images? All right? So there's no way to actually search for your family based on name. You're going to have to know the 1940 address for your family. You don't necessarily need to know the street address. On a rural area, a town or a county will do. But the more information you have, the better. Okay? This is the reason why there is no index. No one is getting a jump start on these images. Don't even believe it if someone has told you. Yeah, Ancestry has all the images, and they're building an index that will be ready Monday. Nonsense. Not going to happen. I also want to let you know that you can volunteer to index with FamilySearch.org. I will show you the link, but there are 132 million names on the 1940 U.S. Census. Right now, I believe we have uh, somewhere about 20,000 people a day indexing on Family Search Normal. We need at least 25,000 a day indexing the 1940 census if we're going to make any headway. I would love to see the index ready by October of this year. That would be wonderful so that anyone can go in and search. So the first state that's going to be loaded Monday, from what I've been told, is Delaware. The reason is Delaware is small. Michael Haight must be loving this back there. Delaware is also the first state, okay? But also, they're only going to release the index as a state is completed. So if we can get, Den I'm saying Denmark, Delaware, as a test case out of the way, I also think they're loading Virginia on Monday. They're loading Kansas. They have five states picked out. Then they're going to drop in another five states every day until they have all 50 states and the territories up there for indexing. I'll talk more about indexing in a minute. 1940 address required. God bless this mother if these are all her children, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Just like my family. So they're all girls. And also I figured out that she lives in the South and it must be after Easter because she's wearing her white shoes. We had a long argument on Facebook about whether she should be wearing white shoes or not. Now, I was raised as a Yankee. You didn't wear white shoes till after Labor, uh, Decoration Day or Memorial Day. But I guess down south, it's Easter. So also, the thing is, this is not the, April 1st. May have been. Actually, I think Easter in 1940 was March 23rd. So she was good to go on white shoes. Genealogists know all the nitpicky details, don't we? It's amazing what we know. Okay, 
Where are you going to find your ancestors in 1940? These are some recommendations. Old address books. If your family has address books, that's a good source. Census records. If you know where your family lived, their street in 1930, don't discard that information. You can actually make some headway with their 1930 information. That's a good place. Family members. Interview your family members. You should be doing this anyway. But also ask them, do you remember where you know, grandma and grandpa lived in 1940? Do you remember the street? Even a street name will help. You don't need to have the address. Letters and diaries. Letters, you may have envelopes with an address on them for people. I don't think they required return addresses back then, but I have some old envelopes with return addresses. Diaries. People mention addresses and diaries all the time. One of the best sources is obituaries and newspapers. They would publish the address of the person who died. Very often a funeral, the body was laid out at home. So the funeral started from the home and went to the burial or the church. Engagement announcements, wedding announcements, graduation announcements, anything having to do with school sometimes. If someone was mentioned in the local paper, you would have their address. It was not like it is today. There was really was not a sense of privacy as much back then in terms of an address, especially in a small town. So those are good sources for addresses for 1940. Organizational newsletters. Do you realize that a lot of these companies had their own newsletters? A lot, everything that was gearing up for the war, I, and actually remember Google Books from the last hour? Some of those newsletters for big companies are up on Google Books. People are scanning them and putting them up there. They have addresses. Passenger lists. When you came into the country on a ship, you had to list the address where you were living or where you were going to. Phone books. New York Public Library just digitized, I believe, the entire 1940 Manhattan Directory and put it up on the web in March. Photographs. Very often on the back of a photograph, you might find an address. Vital records, to me the best one are death certificates because I will get the name of the funeral director at the bottom with an address. I will get the name of the church and if you work on the parish concept, the church is very likely near where your ancestor was. So the person reporting the death, their address might be there. So use those vital records that you already have. Also World War II draft registrations, also known as the old man's draft, that was done in 1942. That's two years within the time frame of the 1940 census. I will show you an example of my great-grandfather and his 1942 draft registration, and that's the address that I use to show you how to find your image. Any questions on how to find a 1940 address? You don't need to know the exact street. Yes, Jeff? I just wanted to mention to this. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah, check your library. Check library for phone books for city directories as well and business directories. Yes, sir. City directories are great. You know, I think by the 1940s, I think a lot of them were starting to phase out the city directory, but a few towns and cities still have them. But the important part is that's something that you can do this weekend. You can start gathering those 1940 addresses for people that you want to find. Now, once you have that information... How are you going to find that image out of what? 3.8 million images, right? What, are you going to flip one at a time? No, I'm going to show you. 
every town, every city was broken down into enumeration districts known as EDs. 1930, they had enumeration districts, but I want to tell you right now, if you find a 1930 enumeration district, do not count on it being the same number for 1940. Population grew by something like 10 or 12%, so they had to add more enumeration districts. You cannot say, oh, I found my grandparents in the 1930 enumeration district, it's 15-1, so that's where I'll look for 1940. You're going to be disappointed. Okay? Urban enumeration districts changed more than the rural districts. Think about it. 1940, coming out of the Great Depression, more people moved off the farms into the cities to look for work. So the rural enumeration districts tended to stay the same. The urban areas actually added more enumeration districts. Each enumeration district may have up to 80 pages of images or more for you to review. So it is to your benefit what? To narrow it down to one or two enumeration districts. Now for the first time, National Archives has made the enumeration district maps for counties and urban areas available online. And they're over here at the Steve Morse site. This again is one of the links. And if I want it here, I can come to uh, Maryland uh, come to Baltimore County, Baltimore City County, and I can go ahead and get those images, and wow, there they are. And why is it translating from Albanian? I have no idea. Okay, yeah, so, but uh, I'm going to close that. But notice these are all the enumeration district maps. If I open one, here it is, and you can zoom in, and it will show you, basically, what the enumeration districts are. You may have to zoom in and out to see it quite a bit. But uh, there are numbers. You notice 434. Can you see that very lightly? 433, 452, 427. Now, you won't have to use the maps, thankfully. You won't have to use the maps. We're going to show you a better way to do that. So let's go back to our show here. We are going to use the one-step site. The one-step site, if you don't know it, if you're a beginning genealogist, this is another place where you could spend a lifetime, at stevemorse.org. Steve Morse, I had him on my radio show last night, and I said, how did you start the one-step site? He said, well, when the Ellis Island records came out in 2001, they weren't easy to find what you needed. So I made this web page where it was one step to find the ancestor you needed. So he has down here a lot of stuff from Castle Garden, Baltimore passenger lists, ship lists. If you see the dollar sign, that means it's hooked into Ancestor or one of the paid sites, so it's not all free. But down here, he has a whole segment dedicated to the 1940 census. His team of volunteers have been working on this since 2005. They have coded over 1,100 cities and streets for those cities to enable you to find the enumeration district that you need. All volunteer, all free. Power of genealogy, far as I'm concerned. I don't know what we would do for the 1940 census without this. We would be using those maps I just showed you. You'd be saying, okay, grandma and grandpa lived on this street, and you know, let me get the slide rule, and let me get the compass. And No, this is going to make it a lot easier. Let me show you how it works. First thing is, Steve has developed a quiz, and when I say a quiz, it, there are no wrong answers. It is basically a tutorial quiz that will ask you basic questions about your 1940 ancestor. Let's take a look.
He explains what the quiz is, and he says down here, click here when you're ready to begin. I know it might be a little bit hard to read. I'm going to read it out. Do you know the city, town, rural area, or institution where your family lived on April 1st, 1940? Let's say that I do know it. Yes. Did the family move between 1930 and 40? You can say no, they stayed put, or yes, they moved. I'm going to say no. Are you willing to do a little extra work now so that there will be fewer 1940 enumeration districts for you to search through when you get to the census? I'm going to say, sure, I've got plenty of time. And then he'll ask, were they in a rural area, an urban area of 5,000 people or more? Were they in an institution, meaning a hospital, a jail, orphanage? Or were they outside the U.S., but maybe in Puerto Rico or Samoa or Hawaii? I'm going to say they were in a rural area. And then he goes ahead and he says, okay, rural, do you have the state and county? Or do you know the name of the rural area of small town? And you see how he's asking you these questions to get you to the tool that you need. I know the town. And basically he says, here, use this tool. We're going to walk through these tools more in depth. But the first thing I want you to do is when you go home this weekend, take the quiz. The quiz link is in your handout. That's the best way for you to understand the tools that are here and understand what you need to use. Okay. There are many one-step tools, and that's why the quiz is important. He has a large city finder here, uh, enumeration district definition tool. Now, remember I said that it didn't count if you knew the 1930 enumeration district? Well, I sort of lied. With this tool, you can actually convert your 1930. Oh, I don't want to do that. Uh, you can actually convert your 1930 enumeration district. And see, select a 1930 enumeration district. So maybe we're in Baltimore City, and we're enumeration district number 14. And right here, he tells you, well, 14 would be in number 11 and 12 on 1940. Isn't that helpful? So. That's very helpful. If you cannot find a 1940 address and all you have is that 1930 census info, this is a tool for you. So, very easy to use. There are the enumeration district maps, census tract tool, street name change tool. They thought of everything. What if a street changed the name from 1930 to 1940 or from 1940 to present day? A lot of streets have been renamed since 1940. What if you're looking for that street and you're going crazy pulling out whatever hair you have left, you know, because you can't find that? There's a name change tool for that as well. So we're going to go with someone submitted this example. Uh, is, uh, it's a George Gaphart or Gephart. And who submitted this? I don't know if uh, the person's here. Deb. Deb Ruth did. Okay, great. And uh, I was given the address 429 East 28th Street in Baltimore on April 1st, 1940. Okay, so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you the screenshots right now, and then I'm going to reenact it, or I can actually reenact it live right now. So let's go ahead and do that. So remember this address, someone, 429 East 28th Street. Let's go ahead out here. We're going to go to stevemorse.org, and I'm going to come in, and I'm going to take the quiz. This is what most of you should do. Take the quiz. Come down here. Click here when you're ready to begin. Do you know the city, town, and address? Sure we do. We have the exact address. 
Did they move? Let's assume that they did not move from 1930, that they stayed put. I have plenty of time right now to go ahead and do this. Did they live in a rural or urban area? I'm going to assume that Baltimore had more than 5,000 people in 1940, so I'm going to say urban area. So your family lived in an urban area and 5,000 people or more. Do you know their street address? Yes, I do. And here he says, use the one-step large city enumeration district finder tool. So we go to the tool. This is what most of you, if you have what I call city mouse ancestors instead of country mouse, you're going to go ahead and do this. I don't want to use that. Thank you. Okay. So let's see. We're going to use, uh, come on, you can load. There it is. It is slow. This tells me there are a lot of genealogists working on a Saturday afternoon looking up their enumeration districts. I can tell you it wasn't this slow yesterday. So here we go. We're going to select a state, Maryland. We're going to select a city, Baltimore. And this is what you're going to see, and this is where most people start to go wrong. We said what? 429 East 28th Street. Select a street. And I'm going to have to do 28th, because let me come down here and see if there's anything in the E's. See, they're not broken down that way. It goes by number. So I'm going to do 28th. Okay. Look at all these enumeration districts. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. Could you imagine me going through 80-plus pages per enumeration district? No. This is where most people stop here. And Steve has said, I want you to tell them to go one step further. Read this in red. Now select a cross street or back street from the list above. How am I going to know this? I don't live in Baltimore. I'm not going to know this. Come down here to the bottom. It says, view present day map of neighborhood. 429 on, and I'm going to put in E period 28th. And I'm going to go out to Google Maps. Bonus, I get to see what it looks like today, right? And here it is. Here's the Google Maps, okay? What is nice is it shows me, this is what, Greenmount Avenue. East 29th is one of the border streets. East 28th, this is what, uh, Ilchester Avenue. Down here is uh, Barclay Street. So I know it's bordered by Barclay, Whitridge Avenue, Greenmount Avenue, right? So... This helps me narrow it down. Let's come back and let's pick from this list what was one of the streets. Greenmount? Wow, I'm down to four enumeration districts. Win. What else do we have? We had Whitridge, right? Well, that's it. It found my enumeration district. Isn't that sweet? Now, don't you want to thank Steve Morse for this tool? Yes, and his team. So basically, I know that my family is in 4-299. That is their enumeration district. I want to write that down. And if I go ahead and click on that enumeration district, basically, it will tell me what the role is for NARA. It won't give me the image. It won't let me view the microfilm because guess what? There's nothing there yet, right? I also get to know what the details are for 1930. This is the legal description, Baltimore City Ward 12, Track 12-13, Part, Southern Hospital and Home, Enumeration District, Roll, and I can go ahead and click and watch what happens. Oh, wow, maybe we can view the image. Do you think they let them out early? 
Wah, 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 wah. No, they did not. Not available. But at least you have the information and you're ready to go Monday morning, right? This is the homework you should be doing tonight and tomorrow to get all that information. And please, try not to crash the internet. Yeah, we're taking bets as to whether or not that's going to happen. Let's review. Let's review how we did the urban area. Yes, sir. Yes. No, that's for indexing. Yeah, that's indexing. Everything is released on Monday. So I know there's confusion there. If you want to index and help volunteer index, only five states will be available Monday. But no, the entire thing is available 9 a.m. Eastern. Even American Samoa and Guam and Puerto Rico, all of it is available. So we were looking for George and his family at 429 East 28th Street. What we did is we used the large city enumeration district tool because we were in an urban area. We had to find the cross street. Don't stop at the street name because you will wind up with 10 or 11 enumeration districts. You need to figure out those boundaries. How did we do that? Well, we went down to the bottom of the page and we put in the exact address and you can click either Google, Yahoo, or MapQuest. I personally like Google Maps better. We went to Google Maps. It gave us a present-day picture. But notice here on the pinpoint, it said Greenmount and other streets that are over there. And then we were able to select those streets. Remember, we selected Greenmount. We selected Whitridge. And we were able to get it down to one enumeration district. That is your goal. I do want to tell you for large, large areas like Manhattan, like my family, the best sometimes you can hope for is two enumeration districts. Sometimes there were two enumeration districts on one block in Manhattan because the population was so dense. So if you're working in New York, be prepared for working with more than one. Any questions on the urban example? Let me show you a rural example. If you have family out in the country, I have to tell you, this is the one time when it's going to be easier. Okay. My great-grandparents, Elmer McKenty and Margaret Crom, they lived in the village of Ellenville, New York, on Chapel Street, but all I have is the 1930 census, okay? I don't know where they are in 1940. I don't have an exact address. So they were on Chapel Street. This is the census sheet from 1930. What do I have up here? It's 2A is the page. And the enumeration district is 5668. So what could I use? I could use that 1930-40 conversion tool. That would be one way to start to help me. Also, I notice it says over here, Chapel Street. I could find them over here. I believe they're right down in here somewhere. My eyesight's not that good. But if you have 1930 and that's all you have, it's better than nothing. So what you want to do is you want to use uh, the one-step enumeration tool. And let's walk through it. Here we go. We're going to go to New York. And it will pull up a list of all the counties. Everyone notice a number after each county? Do you know what that number is? That's that prefix on the enumeration district. Remember on the 1930 census it said 56-something? So every, every county had their own. And it's in Ulster County. And sure enough, didn't I say the 1930 started with a 56? So 56 is Ulster County. I believe that there were sometime there were 62, 63 counties in New York. And then these are all the enumeration districts. Notice they all have a prefix. Well, I don't know the enumeration district, do I? I just know the name of the town. 
The name of the town is Ellenville. And I can go ahead and search. And I wind up with roughly seven enumeration districts. I can go through here and look at, they're all Ellenville, Ellenville Village, Ellenville, and so I'd have to come in here and start looking at the description. This is a census tract. And I can say, okay, bounded, bounded by village limits, here's village limits, Sandbury Creek. It is going to be a little bit difficult for me because Ellenville is a medium-sized town in New York. Not exactly a great, great uh, way to do it. Here's a better way to do it. Remember we said at stevemorse.org, scroll down to the bottom, go to the 1940 census, and there is what? 1920, 30, 40, ED finder, converter. Okay. Now, I select a state. State is New York. And I select the county. Remember, ulcer is what? It's going to be 56. And then I have to know what the suffix was. I'm going to come back to my slideshow. And it was what? Is that a 65? That is a 65. Okay. So it is a 65. And I'm going to put in 65. And there is my new enumeration district, 5687. That is my starting point. That is assuming that my family didn't move from 30 to 40. It really is to your best benefit if you can get a 1940 exact address. You can see even on a medium-sized town in New York, how many came up? Seven enumeration districts? It's not going to be easy. But some rural areas cover where an enumeration district would cover a whole town. Then you've got it very simple to do that. Let's review. We used the converter for the 1930 enumeration district. We converted 56-65 over to 56-87. We also could have used the ED definition tool here where we put in the keyword, but we did get a full list of different enumeration districts. 7 times 80 is what? 560 pages, you know, and that's not going to be easy for me to flip through. So I would rather do the conversion first, work with my best information. And remember, no images yet. Okay? Don't believe the rumors that there's going to be some magical index available Monday at 9 o'clock. So, any questions on the one-step tools? I want to make sure that you're all comfortable, that you know it's at where? stevemorse.org. You're going to go to stevemorse.org, scroll down here to the bottom, where the 1940 census tools are. Yes, Russ? Yes. Sure, okay. Yeah. Right up here in the corner, U.S. Census. 1940 Census ED Finder. That is another way to get it as well. You remember that message I kept canceling out of? You could have said okay and come here as well. Yes. Right. West or 77 East. Exactly. That's a good point. Russ is saying, if you know it as East 28th Street, don't be surprised if it comes up as 28 East. As genealogists, we're very good with surname variations, right? We're very good with variations on data, so be open to looking for that. In fact, in Manhattan, my great-grandparents come up as 77 West, not West 77th Street. 
So you're right. That's how it happens. So, but again, go home tonight, bookmark. Probably this is the best tool that you want to bookmark. And start looking for those enumeration districts. You, this is the only way that you're going to be able to find something come Monday on the 1940 census. Other questions? Okay, clear as mud, right? Yes, Russ. Yes. Right. Right. Exactly. Right. If you're an RFD, you won't. And look at these are all the enumeration districts in Baltimore in 1940. Okay. But if we were to put in, we were to put in what 429. We put in uh, 28th. Remember, it narrowed it down, and then we start selecting. What do we did? We did Greenmont. Uh, Ilchester was one of them. Uh, so, and then we also did Greenmont. Uh, we did, and others, and here we are. And here's a different one. Probably uh, we should have picked Whitridge down here. There it is. Yeah, 429, 427, Greenmount. There it is. So thank you, Russ, for pointing that out. Yes, sir. Well, this is the problem. Ancestry uh, said they're going to make their images for free. They get the same images. This is not going out to microfilm. People have said, well, Ancestry's images are going to be better. No. This is the first time a census is going right to digital. There is no microfilm. Don't think you're going down an arrow, NARA on Tuesday morning and say, can I get the 1940 census microfilms? You know, it's like asking, can I see the basement in the Alamo? I mean, they're going to laugh at you, you know. But uh, so, yeah, there is no microfilm. So it's only digital. The only thing is that the indexes, people, certain agencies, certain, you know, vendors said, well, our index is better than someone else's. That's a matter of opinion. But no one's going to have an index right away. So the thing is, if you have an Ancestry subscription, it's the same as going to the narrow site, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. So question, Angela. Right, exactly. Right, right. The one at 9 p.m. is archives.gov, .gov, not com. There's confusion. This is the reason why. Archives.com is a genealogy vendor. They're out of California. They won the contract to host the images. So I had someone from archives.com on the radio show last night. She said, we are hosting the images on Amazon, on the cloud, but they are the ones that won the contract from NARA. So you're not going to go to archives.com. You're going to go to that link that I showed you in the beginning, which is 1940census.archives.gov, G-O-V, is the NARA site. That is where they're going to be. Also realize, even if Ancestry goes out and buys the 1940 census, it's going to take them several days or several hours to upload the images. So the only place you're going to get them at 9 a.m. Eastern is the .gov site. Yes, sir. You could use Google Alerts. That's a good use. He's already using what he learned last hour. You could actually set up a Google Alert to find the state for 1940 census when the indexing is put up. All the states are going to be available right away. But if you want to know it's ready to index Arkansas or Louisiana, 
you could actually, that's a good use of Google Alerts. Any other questions on the tools? Let me show you some other resources. Steve Morris has a good FAQ, frequently asked question, about obtaining enumeration districts for all of the censuses from 1880 to 1940. It is here at stevemorris.org. He gives you, let me tell you, there's more information here about the census than you ever want to know from a historical standpoint, why you need to know enumeration districts, which states have been name indexed for 1910 and 1930, etc. cetera, and you get everything that you want answered here, technical difficulties, miscellaneous, etc. a great resource. NARA has also set up a page at archives.gov on finding aids for the 1940 census. This link is in your handout. They have the enumeration district maps. If you want to see what the instructions were that were given to enumerators, you can download this via PDF. They have some 1940 city directories. These are not online. These are physically at NARA. There aren't many of them. Now, doesn't this say something about Steve Morse's one-step site? If they're willing to carry his links on the NARA site, that tells you the power of what he's developed. Okay. And so, he t in fact, he talks right here. This is that FAQ link that I just showed you right there. So, Also, I want to do the push for volunteers. Uh, I think it's my duty to do this. You know, in 1930, it took them a year and a half to index the 1930 census when it came out in 2002. A year and a half to have the whole thing indexed. And people said it wasn't online right away. You had to go down and use the microfilms if you wanted 1930 indexed. We're hoping to do this in six months or less. The only way we can get that done is if we get people, genealogy societies, genealogists that are willing to volunteer. There's a website I want to point out is, is called the1940census.com, T-H-E. Okay? You can get started right here. They have training videos. They walk you through the process of downloading the indexing software. We have people that said, you know, if I'm waiting at the doctor's office and I've got my laptop, I'm going to index. You can actually index on a mobile app now or on the tablet. Russ is holding up his tablet. So if you are somewhere where you have time on your hands, put in a half hour. I love taking a break from my research. I can tell you nothing does my research better than getting my off, eyes off of my own research, indexing for a half hour, and then I come back and don't you know I find something new on my research because I finally stepped away from it. So think about volunteering. Think about getting your society signed up to volunteer for the 1940 census. Uh, I am done with the 1940 census. If you have any questions, please let me know. I know you're waiting for the door prize, right? So, yes, ma'am. Right. Yes. Steve Morse's site? Yes. Well, census has been done since 1790. They've been done every 10 years since 1790. It was only until 1850 that people, other than the head of household, were named. Uh, for African Americans, uh, slaves were not named until the 1870 when they were considered free, when slavery was over. So that is considered sometimes a brick wall for African-American research. But the census goes back. It was mandated by the Constitution to be done every 10 years. The original mandate was what? Just to do a head count. 
It's gotten a lot more than a head count, right? Look at the information they're collecting. So, but the Steve Morse site does help you do a lot of information here for 1880 uh, census here, 1880 to 1940. So if you need help with those, go to the One Step site. Other questions? Well, listen, I want to thank you all. I've had a great time here today in Baltimore. I know, Jeff, if you want to come up and draw the prize and prizes. and uh, Yes, ma'am. Well, there, there was a slave census. I, I'm not an African-American expert on genealogy. We have a few people here. But there was a slave census in 1860. There was a separate census. 50 and 60, right, exactly. Right, right. 1860, 60, yeah. And 50, right. Okay, do you want my mic or do you want me to draw? Oh, I get to draw. Yeah, hopefully I'm not going to trip and break my neck here. So who wants to win? We're not drawn for mega millions here, by the way. So, what do we got? We got four. Okay. First number, it doesn't have a name. 876053. 053. Oh, we have a winner. Here's another one 012. 876012. There you go. Come on down. 876015. Five, all the way in the back. Okay, last one. And also, I want to let you know, if anyone wins this, if you have a genealogy society, these are great to play at a society meeting. This is like bringing me to your meeting, you know, so I actually encourage that. Also, the handout is on the CD, so you can actually print the handout. 876-021. Is that person here? Maybe they're not. 021? Going once, twice, thrice, okay. Still chance. Eight seven six zero three zero. Zero three zero. Congratulations. Thank you everyone. Thank you.